Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Today's podcast is brought to you by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Um, Catherine, it's been good to be back in the swing of things and on on routine, um, working on, Catherine's got a one-year-old now, and I'm married and working on name changes and all that fun stuff. So it's, <laughs> listeners, we, we appreciate your patience through the summer. And now that we're, we're into our second um, episode of the third season, I believe, um, we've got some fun stuff to talk about today. Yeah, we really do. Um, we are, yeah, like Val says, we're excited to be back. And this week we have another great guest. We would like to welcome Derek Josie of TDF Honest, Honest Farming and a dairyman from Oregon. So Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, ladies. Absolutely. So first off, tell us a little bit about yourself and your operation. What do you get up to? Yeah, so I am here's the elevator speech of my life story uh fourth generation dairy farmer here in Tillamook, oregon uh we started the farm back in 1917 so my great grandfather alfred started it we are currently milking 500 jerseys and in the process of building state-of-the-art facilities for 1200 cows um yeah it's been a adventure deciding to do a expansion slash new facilities in the middle of a pandemic and global supply chain crunch so it's been an adventure (laughs) yeah we can for sure believe that um seems like everybody in ag is having those problems and i'm sure building an entirely new facility just adds to the headache (laughs) oh yeah yeah. So Derek, um, a few weeks ago, no, not a few weeks ago, a few days ago, I saw a tweet that you put out into the universe. Um, you had some advice for dairy farmers heading to the World Dairy Expo next week in Wisconsin, um, saying that the Oatly beverage brand was going to be there and they wanted to talk to us. So um, tell us about how you about how they got in touch with you and what you're concerned about. Well, I have my TDF Honest Farming brand. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, it's a social media outreach. Uh, I have oh, between all my platforms just under a million uh, followers slash subscribers slash whatever the correct term is, depending on the platform. <laughs> and on my website, there is a form submission to collaborate or whatever. And it's this is the second time they've tried to collaborate with me. In uh, this one, they are uh, doing a documentary about dairy farmers and how dairy farmers view the brand uh, Oatly and what they think of their product. Um, and then anybody that knows anything about Oatly, they have not been the nicest um, partners in beverages with the dairy industry, a lot of their advertising has been pointedly anti-dairy. And in the UK, they actually had to pull ads for uh, not being able to verify their claims with regard to uh, 
climate issues and how their beverage was more environmentally friendly than dairy. So, yeah, I don't, I, I just don't think that this company has any interest in portraying dairy farmers in a good light. So when I heard that they were going to have a film crew at World Dairy Expo, that sent all sorts of red flags up for me. Because um, all it takes is, you know, dairy farmers, them getting them riled up and some things being said or angry farmers lashing out and all of a sudden they have footage uh, that can be used to make us look very bad. Yeah, that's that's a huge concern, especially for the dairy industry, but, you know, agriculture at large. Um, I want to come back to the environmental aspect of it. I think that really, um, that's an interesting angle that I hadn't heard about from them. But let's talk first um, about, like you say, your advice to dairy farmers at World Dairy Expo or, you know, just those of us online watching um, and and maybe uh, how how we can combat this in a way that doesn't make us look combative. Oh, I, I think the easiest way to combat it is, oh, you're from Oatly? Oh, we, we love alternative uh, beverages for people that can't drink dairy, real dairy, because there's a place for all of us in this industry. Or, you know, love love the product really don't appreciate your guys's advertising but hey you do what you want to do just be lighthearted and walk away don't don't give them the chance to have a video that is going to be used in future advertising to demonize dairy farmers so what was their re specific request to you derek how did uh, you know how did they word it to you and how did they and now I have a hard time. I, I took a screenshot and posted it on Twitter. Uh, it was they wanted to interview me to see my views on Oatly um, and how they could better understand the dairy industry, I believe is how they worded it. Um, but this is the second time they've done an outreach. The first time was uh, early spring. They're, they are doing a documentary on the history of the dairy industry in the United States. They actually um, hired, and I talked with the people they hired. They, they were really nice. They hired a third party to go out and just do a history of dairy, obviously, in the United States, like I said. And these people, when they reached out, I talked with them. I did a... I did a couple skype conversations with them or whatever platform they were using um and they were they were really nice and i asked well who's funding this and they said well oatly is funding this and i said well sounds like a fun project but i'm gonna have to pass because i will not be associated with that company in any way because of their views on dairy with their advertising so I was a little surprised when they reached out again to do a documentary. They just didn't learn their lesson the first time, I guess. <laughs> I'm curious, why do you think they would want to do a history of the dairy industry? Um, uh, 
if if I were to guess, they're going to portray it as heavily um, subsidized by the government, whether it's with government cheese, all those programs from the past, um, make it seem like we wouldn't have the industry we have without favorable policy throughout history, which whatever they, they're just they just want to make us look bad in my opinion better throw that in there <laughs> we're all about so opinions they, on this podcast just to clarify there's solely um plant-based beverage company there's no dairy no dairy none that i'm aware out. of none that i'm aware of they're they're an oat based beverage oat milk Average. If you want to call it that. No. Oh, <laughs> um, average. And they've and they've been called out a lot. Like they used to be very anti-animal agriculture until they were called out on the fact that all of their byproducts were going to pig farms and things like that. And yeah, they they really lean into veganism, which whatever if that's your angle, but that's two percent of the population you're really limiting your market by demonizing the majority of people yeah for sure and i i think it's interesting you bring up the fact that they you know they're crapping all over animal agriculture when their byproducts are going to livestock um you know, I think that sort of ties in with number one, there's room for us all here. As you say, there's some people who can't drink real milk, um, some people who just prefer not to, which is fine. Everybody has their own preferences. Uh, they just happen to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. From our, from our view, I totally agree. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like we do have to bring up the fact that, okay, so this, this is a, a processor or a you know, a, a business that's in, in business to sell product. Um, but I think we also need to think about the producers of oats or other things that turn into alternative beverages and that they need a market for their products too. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Like I, like I said, good on them for turning up, creating a new product that um, from what I've heard is probably the closest to in mochas and stuff like that to making a beverage that is milk-like but it's highly processed lots of added sugars all the normal stuff and it is not nutritionally equivalent in any way to real dairy so they don't have a real leg to stand on as a health beverage so they have to they have to lean into something else So, you know, maybe turning a little bit of a corner, but we've noticed over the years too, you know, Chobani, Danone, even DFA has started creating products that are plant-based. Um, you mm -hmm. and, and to complement their um, their dairy products, their dairy creamers, their that sort of thing. What's your take on that? Maybe from a business perspective, and then from your the dairyman's perspective as well. That's a tricky one. I honestly, I get why they do it. You have, you're trying to get into another market. Um, 
but coming from a dairy farmer, having a dairy co-op do that just feels like it's against your own owner's best interest because you are helping drive options outside the dairy case. But on the other side of that, if they're profitable, that profit goes back to dairy farmers. So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, and ironically, you might be getting people that are very anti-dairy buying products and helping <laughs> give money to dairy farmers. So it's all about marketing. So I don't have a problem with any company that it's no different than some of the major meat packing industry. They also have their plant-based option. Um, it's not a huge market and it seems to be stagnating. So I don't have a problem with any company that's looking to enter new markets as long as they aren't demonizing a different product to make themselves look better. That's my one caveat there. Yeah, and I think that's a perfectly reasonable caveat. It's something we wanted to bring up too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the bulk of this, if you look at it rationally, obviously comes from marketing departments of these of these companies and companies exist to make money. Um, but we, you know, we get mad and rightfully so, I think, when they vilify us. And particularly when they try to make out that, uh, you know, their product is more nutritious. We know it's not. Um, I coach the local FFA milk quality products team. They're going to a national FFA convention this year. Um, but they, you know, were, were learning different stuff about the industry. And one of the facts is that almond beverage um, has more calories per cup or per eight ounces and way less nutrition than a cup of real dairy. Um, like one gram of protein versus eight grams of protein. So we can see the facts there and the data that bears it out. Um, so it's really frustrating when they, they try to portray their their product as superior to ours. So how how do we combat that in a way, particularly in a way that resonates with consumers and doesn't make producers look like shrieking children? <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question I know, it's uh, a and honestly ask. before we dive into that i would point out that it's not just these plant-based beverages that do this we also have our own dairy-based companies that do this whether it's organic companies that are like oh there's so much more of this in our milk compared to the other one other like omega-3s for example where they're like oh there's twice as much omega-3s in our our milk uh, compared to conventional and then you look at the data and technically it's true but it's so minuscule in dairy in general that to get what you can get from a three ounce piece of fish you have to drink like eight gallons of their milk versus 10 gallons of conventional milk it's like okay let's let's be realistic in our marketing but like you said, it goes back to marketing ploys. Somebody at the store sees, oh, there's twice as much omega-3s in this milk. Well, that must make it worth a lot more money. And it's like, uh, so I don't know. It's not like we don't deal with these kind of issues 
in our own industry. So it shouldn't be shocking that somebody that's trying to take market share in this industry would follow the same uh, rules that they see the dairy industry using against itself. So how do we combat it? We just continue to explain and talk about it and show our farms and what we're doing. And uh, consumers, you know, if you look at the data, they get excited about a new product. They try it for a little bit and then they start thinking and looking at it and going, you know, this isn't isn't doing what I thought it would do. And they usually go back to old habits. So something new and exciting is always going to take a little bit of market share and then it will. Well, for example, with the Impossible Burger, it probably will disappear. New and exciting. It's at Burger King. Oh, sales spent a flat line and they pull it off the menu. That's what I think is going to happen. And so a lot of it is just being patient and continuing to do what we do every day is make a safe, nutritious product and make it widely available. I'm going to pause right here just a second uh, for another word from our sponsor. For more than three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer to the conventional acre. With Teratrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com to reclaim soil fertility. So Derek, with your lots of numbers of followers on all your social media platforms on this topic, what, you know, you've done a really good job of, of getting the conversation we're having today out there to, to the general public. Um, what are some feedback when they figure out that, oh, omega-3, <laughs> you know, really isn't that big of a deal in milk, period. Like you're not going to get, you're going to mm -hmm. get a little bit, but you're not going to get a fish size amount honestly when they figure it out they get really annoyed or upset that um they were making food choices based on what really isn't accurate and most of the time they ended up spending a lot more money on their food than they would have otherwise especially this this time uh, i've actually had a lot of people messaging going I'm spending eight to ten dollars on a gallon of milk right now. Is it really worth it to be buying organic grass fed, yada yada yada? And I just no, it's not. Sorry, sorry, organic producers, but it's not. Um, unless you truly believe in that farming system, and in that case, then yeah, absolutely, it's worth it. But if you're just looking at it from a nutrition and a uh, food safety guidelines sort of issue, then no, the milk is the same. You should just be buying milk. Absolutely. And, you know, just as producers ourselves, push that line all we can. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought it was ironic that your ad read was an organic after <laughs> 
<laughs> it went yeah, on about is, organic. That is interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, room room for all types of of production, for mm-hmm. sure. But um, I. Well, yeah, and some some things, you know, we do some organic practices that make mm-hmm. a lot of sense for our area, no-till, things like that, that I don't know why they're considered organic practices. They should just be smart business decisions from any farmer that it works on their farm. But don't get me started on that topic. <laughs> um. You know, we could go down that rabbit hole. Maybe we'll have you back on and we can discuss that too, because that's certainly of interest to us and our listeners and I think to the industry at large. Let's return back to Oatly though. Um, I want to know what, well, first off, let's talk about their environmental claims and talk about that ad that they have to have, they had to have pulled in the UK. I'm curious about those. Oh, I, I don't remember exactly what they the ad was but it, in general it was stating that the greenhouse gas uh admissions from dairy dairies was considerably more than it was if you were drinking oatly oat milk beverage um, and with the advertising rules and regulations in the uk if you can't back up your claims they will make you pull down the ad and they they told Oatly that they didn't have the data to prove what they were saying. And so they had to discontinue those ads. And a lot of people in the United States don't realize that dairy, real dairy, has a lot more rules and regulations that it has to follow, especially with checkoff dollars and things like that. Um, So it's not like we have an even playing field when it comes to advertising, like stupid things like why can't we call whole milk um, 97% fat free? free. (laughs) Or, you know, no, it has to be called whole milk. So people don't understand that all milk is 97% fat free, 96 point whatever fat free, um, because we aren't allowed to do that. We aren't allowed to do a whole host of things because we are required in our advertising to make sure that any claims we're making are accurate. Whereas an oat beverage or a soy beverage isn't classified as the same type of food. So they aren't required to have the same standards here in the United States. It's ridiculous. Well, it's fascinating to me and I have to give kudos to, um, European government for doing that a little bit or that, you know, and, and, and holding them accountable. I know it's more rules and regulations, which I'm not always for. Um, but the fact that it's not false advert, it was false advertisement where there wasn't facts to back it up. Mm-hmm. They didn't pull it. Um, how yeah. do we get to that kind of thing here? Well, I'd like to give kudos to most other countries for also not allowing all the pharmaceutical ads that we have here in the United States. That's it's kind of the same concept. Um, They want to make sure advertising companies aren't just lying to you. And that's one form of government regulation I I can get behind because I don't like seeing all the stuff when I'm watching TV and I see an ad and I'm like, that's not true. It's it's frustrating. 
Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, talking about regulations that that we don't necessarily abide by in the United States, um, the federal or the Food and Drug Administration has standards of identity for food and drugs. Yep. And there's literally a standard of identity for milk that, um, um, you know, says it has to come from the complete milking of one or more healthy dairy animals. So that could be cows, sheep, goats, right. animals, if you want. Um, and I believe they have that in Canada, too. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. And but they they don't enforce it. And that is incredibly frustrating. And one of their uh, favorite arguments is, well, people know it's not real milk. So why do we need to label it differently? And the simple answer to that is we, uh, through our checkoff, people have actually went and looked at the data. And in Europe and Canada, where it has to be labeled correctly, the sales of these alternatives is considerably less compared to the United States. So they like, this is one of those times where they like to pretend like consumers are knowledgeable. And just by looking at the data, you can see, well, obviously they don't think it through because they must think that it's a type of milk because they're buying it much more frequently than they are in countries where the labeling is different. That just sounds more appetizing to drink oat milk than it would an oat beverage. Like my mind goes to two different places when I think of the two. (laughs) Yeah. Or if it was labeled nut juice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Always a good one. Couldn't, Couldn't help it. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's great. <laughs> um, so what has the feedback been from your followers after you posted that tweet? Uh a lot of I mean, I think especially on Twitter, I have a lot most of my followers have, are in agriculture and you know, most people were like, uh yeah, that's not a good idea to have them there or or it's been, oh, yeah, we better be careful if if we interact with them. But there's also the ones that are just like, oh, well, we'll tell them what we think of them. And it's just like, oh, that's exactly what I don't want you to do. Um, because let's, let's be honest, a lot of farmers um, are farmers because they don't want to have to deal with the public and they don't want to have to be in front of a camera and they don't want to deal with interviews or people and that should be their right. And so then they get in front of a camera and while I probably agree with what they're saying, I go, Oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. Probably shouldn't have said that. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. That is a frustrating part about, about agriculture producers being on social media (laughs) yeah they want us all on there to tell our story until uh, and and, you know sometimes I think they question whether they really want me on there telling my story Uh, following you I really appreciate your candor and your willingness to tell it like it is because you know there's a lot of uh whitewashing of 
of some of the content out there. And that's that's really frustrating in my point of view, because there are things that need to be talked about that are probably controversial. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's fair to bring those things up. I mean, number one, it's honesty. And number two, I think it makes us look more authentic. And I think, I think if you are showing people that, then when they see these gotcha videos or videos that are filmed and snippets are made, they watch them with a more critical eye and they're like, you know, that does, that's not why that's going on. That there is a valid reason for what's going on there. Um, yeah. Don't get me started. (laughs) There's a, there's a reason why. Uh, people like me or Dan, uh, oh, Iowa dairy farmer, uh, blow up. It's because we are willing to just tell it like it is. We aren't, we don't ignore the people that we've been told to ignore uh, for the last 15 years since social media has happened. We, we call them on their BS and uh, people appreciate it. That's my opinion anyway. No, that's great. I think, you know, the strategy has definitely needed to change over the last 15 or 20 years, Um, you know, because at the beginning it was uh, everybody on social media, tell your story, show the best parts of what we do, Um, you know. And and here's a packet of uh, pre-packaged answers for all the hard questions. I don't know how many times I went to dairy uh conventions where they handed those out like oh these were consumer tested yeah and they sound like i'm reading it from a script exactly exactly and they um you know they said do everything fact-based science-based when we know we have facts and science now that show it's it's emotion that helps you connect with consumers (laughs) yeah yeah, they don't want Ellen, make sure it's pretty. Don't don't be dirty. <laughs> yeah, God forbid we show up with cow shit on our boots, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. And then you you know, they got exactly what they wanted. And now they have some farmers that are doing exactly what they asked for. And now they're like, whoa, 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 maybe not quite that transparent. <laughs> oh, you don't want us to talk about the fact or film the fact that we had to cut a calf out? Welcome to dairy farming. That's that happens. And and the ironic thing is, it's the people that we're asking us to show our lives that are offended that we're doing it. And the vast majority of people that watch are just like, wow, that is incredible that you guys want or that that goes on. And and then they ask questions like, well, why didn't you do a C-section? And so then you have to explain that in cattle, C-sections are a last resort because of the way their body's set up. Which is open dialogue and people appreciate it instead of the cookie cutter, red barn, farmers standing out there in a field. I don't know. Well, and I think it builds the trust too because they can relate they're like oh you're telling me the good the bad and the dirty like and the ugly and the day-to-day and it's and it's like we can trust him he's he's gonna answer us truthfully and not sugarcoat it and he is trying to do the best job he can to provide a high quality and there's times when 
things aren't pretty. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of that building that trust is like, I, we had a bout of pneumonia roll through our barns and I, it was right after we had a couple smoky days from forest fires on the East side. Um, and I had a couple heifers that didn't never showed signs. They were subclinical and they, I woke up, went to the heifer barn and they were just dead. And I talked about it and I did a video with our, one of our vets. I didn't actually show the necropsy because, uh, you know, that probably would have got flagged. So I didn't really want to be, didn't want to get in trouble with the social media uh, overlords, but we talked about what she was going to do and the processes. And then I, you know, I check comments as much as I can. And in the last two weeks videos, every once in a while, somebody would pop in there with a comment asking, Hey, have you found out the results from the tests yet? And so I think it was two days ago. I just hopped back on because we got our test results back and I let them know what was going on. And it, it, that's, that's the follow through that you have to have. You can't just talk about the problem. You have to actually follow back up, especially with the people that have really started counting on you to have a, for your expertise, you have to follow up and make sure that, you give them the answers that they are expecting you to give them. So I hope that made sense. <laughs> it did. It did. I think it goes back to the authenticity and in telling the truth, I think people, you know, appreciate that way more than just some scripted answer. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to pause. Um, I know I, I appreciate more than just getting a cookie cutter answer. Absolutely. Like if, if, if I have a vet out and they're like, oh, yeah, this is probably what it was. And then we have no follow through. I'm probably going to get a different vet because, no, I don't want to hear a probably. I want to find out what the heck happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's good business sense, number one, and, and your job is a responsible steward of your animals right right because if uh, one of the tests which we're still waiting on is there i can't remember exactly what she said but to find out if they were affected by smoke inhalation which could probably kicked off the pneumonia spout through the barns well if that's the case if when if when because we have forest fires every year now when we have a smoke event again i will probably be a little uh, I'll probably treat them before any signs start showing up and be more proactive because obviously this is going to be an ongoing issue and we'll set up some protocols to deal with it. Right. All right. Before we continue our conversation, we're going to hear once more from our sponsor this week. Today's podcast is Sorry, for more than three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer to the conventional acre. With Teratrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com to reclaim soil fertility. 
Well, Derek, it's been such a pleasure and I loved this conversation. Um, before we wrap up, what's, what's some words of wisdom you have for other dairy producers, other farmers that are out, out and about, um, maybe at World Dairy Expo, and we continue to get faced with, with Oatly or false marketing. How do you recommend we, we move forward? Words of wisdom. Uh, just uh, in regards to if you were you get ran into you run into Oatly, um, keep it positive. Have a smile on your face. Uh, poke fun at them if you feel comfortable doing it. Oh, we love your product. Really don't like your advertising, but you do you. Uh, welcome to World Dairy Expo. Hope you learned something. And uh, in general, words of wisdom. Good luck with this uh, supply chain. No, I don't know. Um, words of wisdom. If you are thinking about doing what I do online, um, be open. Be ready for the idiots because there is a plethora of idiots online and you will deal with them and you have to take it with a grain of salt and you can always poke fun of them too because uh that's just one of my favorite things to do so it always makes it easier to deal with them if you make fun of them and uh that's probably not advice that your check off or your farm bureaus or any of the organizations are going to tell you to do, but you should do it because people enjoy it too. And I think, I think we need a little humor and a little laugh once in a while too, to keep things light or we, we take things way too seriously. We, yeah. We, as, as uh, agriculturalists in general, we take things way too seriously. Um, and honestly, I think we think way too much of ourselves a lot of the time. Uh, so uh, a little bit of self-deprecating uh, humor, it, it never hurt. Um, yeah, but that's my two cents. <laughs> well, thank you again, Derek, for joining us. And where can our listeners go follow you if they're not already following you? You can find me at TDF Honest Farming, which stands for Tillamook Dairy Farmer, um, didn't want to get sued by my own company for copyright infringement, so I shortened it. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and on Twitter, I am at Derek Josie. And I am on LinkedIn, but that's just such a cesspool of uh, corporate BS that I just go there to get a laugh. Perfect. <laughs> that's not, well, that's not uh, very politically correct of me, so welcome to my show. <laughs> no, we, we like to ruffle feathers a little ourselves here too so <laughs> we appreciate it well, well i mean it, as linkedin can't disagree with that it is just oh it's very corporate that's all i'll say yep no and there's a lot of places that are getting that way more and more nowadays unfortunately so i think if we can continue to bring some light and fun and break some of that corporate mentality and the seriousness up. We'll, we'll enjoy life a lot more too. Agreed. Don't take life so seriously. Nobody gets out alive. Yep. 
Well, I think that's a great note to end the episode on. Um, <laughs> listeners, we thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.